Well, church, good morning. I am super excited, more excited than I have been uh, for a lot of things in my life. I'm super excited to be up here and sharing with you guys this morning. As Trevor said, my name is Bryce Holman, if we haven't met before, and I am the middle school coordinator here at the church, so I uh, serve with some of our students, and they are so full of energy, and I love them to death. And it's been a good year. I've been in that role since January, so... um, As soon as 2020 hits, I will have been in that role for one year, and I have truly loved every single moment that I've got the privilege to be there. Well, when I say I'm excited, the reason is because, um, obviously, of this message, but I'm also excited because uh, last night, when I went to bed, I made the mistake as a Clemson fan, um, if you're a Carolina fan, please continue to listen to my sermon, but as a Clemson fan, I made the mistake of going to bed after the first quarter last night, and if any of you guys watched the game... I was laying in my bed and I was like very frustrated for about 10 to 15 seconds and then God allowed me to start preaching this to myself last night in bed. So I couldn't sleep last night for those two reasons, but can we just give God a hand clap of praise for what he did in that game? Because I went back and watched the highlights this morning when I was eating breakfast and it blew my mind. It was like a minute and something left for for those of you who watched the whole game, you probably know better than I do, but like a minute or so left and out of nowhere they they get a pick um, in the end zone and they go to the college football playoff. Now, I also gotta say, um, because I I gotta be truthful and real, I watched the LSU game too, and um, I'm not quite sure what our chances are gonna look like against Tom Brady in college, Um, but regardless, I'm excited. It's gonna be a good, good game soon. But I couldn't sleep last night because I was so excited to share this with you. I believe that this is a message that God has been preaching to me this week, and my goal is to allow him to preach that to you this morning, but Overall, what I want to happen is I want this message to preach to all of us every day as we go forward. Because this message is not a December 29th, 2019 message that just stays where it is. It is a message that that I believe God has given me to share, but also for for me to take a part in to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So Christmas, it came and it went. And like Trevor said, we had over 5,000 people here on December 24th, that, it, it blew my mind. I was here to see four out of the five services that we had, and our worship and production teams have done incredible, incredible things um, during that whole entire event to make that happen. And in our family, maybe you can relate to this, in our family, what usually happens around Christmas time is we get very, very excited to put up decorations, to put up trees, decorate our house, it looks awesome. And uh, what usually happens is we're, we're, the excitement is there when we put it up, when we put all the Christmas decorations up, we, we always watch Elf together. I'm not sure if anybody else does that. Um, always watch Elf together. Always have hot chocolate and marshmallows. And um, it's, it's a great, great time, those one or two days that we're, we're decorating together. But what usually takes place is after Christmas is over, there's those days, maybe you know, 26th, 27th, 28th, maybe today after you leave church, where it comes time to take the Christmas stuff down. And it's not as exciting I, I woke up on, um, let's say Sunday, Friday and Saturday, we, we kind of took stuff down around the house, and I woke up in the morning, and I just didn't want to get out of bed, because I knew what was to come, and what was to come was for us to take all these decorations down that we worked hard to put up, but also signify something, that we celebrated Jesus Christ's birth together, and so there's, there's, there's not much of an excitement there when we take Christmas down, but I realized something this year, very interesting, it caught my attention. Our family has a small nativity set upstairs in our house, and we always put it out, but this year when we were taking everything up, packing everything up, what caught my attention was I feel like we put Jesus in a box sometimes, just like we do in a nativity set. 
Because the way we work in our family is we, we put everything away and we put it in a storage unit or in our garage until next December when everything comes back out again. But I feel like what some of us in the room, if we're really honest with ourselves, myself included, we have a temptation and sometimes a tendency to put Jesus in a box. And the only times we take him out are Christmas to celebrate his birth and Easter to celebrate his death and resurrection. And if, if, if you've been coming to church for a while, you'll probably notice a trend that around Christmas time, there's 5,000 plus people here. Around Easter time, there's 5,000 plus people here. And that's because on Christmas, like I said, we're celebrating the birth. Easter, we're celebrating the death and the resurrection. But I feel like a lot of us have a tendency to put a period or an exclamation mark after the resurrection. Because the way we see it, Jesus, I know you came to earth. I know you lived a perfect, sinless life, and you died to give me freedom. You died so that my sins could be taken away, and you rose from again. You got up three days later from the grave. Again, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But then we just put a period. And that's where it stops for us. And it, it doesn't go any further. And we feel like, okay, Jesus, thank you for doing this. I'll see you again next Christmas when we celebrate your birth. Thank you for doing this. I'm glad I can walk in freedom, but I'm just comfortable. I have everything I need, which we'll talk about later. But this morning, what I want to say very clearly to us all is that even though this whole story with Jesus Christ, even though it started with a birth, it did not end in resurrection. It started with a birth, but it did not end in resurrection. There is more to the story. If it had ended in resurrection, we would have been watching a fairy tale and everyone would have lived happily ever after. But what I wanna speak about briefly this morning is what's called second advent, which literally means second coming. So we just celebrated what's called first advent this Christmas season, celebrating Jesus's first coming. But there's a second coming. There's a second coming. There, there is gonna be a time when Jesus returns to this earth, that when he went back up to heaven, which we're gonna read in a second, when he went back up to heaven, it didn't end. And he didn't just leave us waiting with nothing to do. And I think the public service announcement that I believe God wants to make this morning is that not only Jesus coming back, but he's given us a job to do in the meantime. Now, this morning, I'm gonna give you a heads up. We're gonna be jumping around scripture just a little bit. Nothing crazy. But the first place that I wanna start us is Acts chapter one, the book of Acts chapter one. You can find this right after the book of John in the New Testament. And if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, you are more than welcome to turn there. The words will be on the screen regardless. And here's what Acts chapter one says. Before I read it, just a little bit of context. Jesus has just been resurrected. Okay, he got out of the grave and he goes to find his disciples and he tells them this, what we're about to read. These are his last words before he goes back into heaven. And here's what Jesus says, starting in verse six. Luke is writing and he says, when they were together for the last time, they asked him, master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? And he told them, you don't get to know the time because timing is the Father's business. But what you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, and here's the key for us, even to the ends of the world. These were his last words. These were his last words. We're gonna come back to that in a second. And as they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring into the empty sky, but then suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at an empty sky? Because this very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly 
but also mysteriously as he left. Now the truth is, Jesus could have used any words as his last words. Jesus knew, I'm about to go back into heaven. What do I need to leave these people with? What what is the last thing I need them to hear and be aware of before I leave their presence? And out of all words that he could have chosen, he chooses words of action. He chooses words of action. Verse eight, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Even to the ends of the world. You see, Jesus, he desires that we not only be waiters, but we be active waiters. We have to be actively waiting because the truth is we're waiting on something. We're waiting on Jesus to return again. But in the meantime, he's given us an assignment. He's given us an assignment. You see, these men that the Bible talks about in white robes, they could not believe what the disciples were doing because after Jesus left, they just stood there looking up into the empty sky, probably with their, their, their jaws dropped. And they couldn't believe it because he's, he's given you guys an assignment. Jesus just gave you an assignment and you're still staring up into an empty sky. Jesus gave you an assignment. And I feel like someone in here needs to be reminded of that. Maybe it's just me or maybe there's someone else that needs to remember that Jesus left us with something. He left us with his power through the Holy Spirit And he called us to wait, but to actively pursue lost people and bring them back to where they belong, which is in God's presence. And even before Jesus had left them, what was interesting is all throughout Jesus' time on earth, the disciples always are wanting to know, hey, Jesus, you keep talking about the end. You keep talking about the end of all this, but can you just tell us when it's gonna come so we can be prepared? But it's so funny to me that Jesus never tells them the time of the day because he's saying, it's up to the Father. It's not up to you, it's not up to me, it's up to the Father. And I believe that God desires we use every moment to pursue lost people. But in Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus says something very interesting. You don't have to turn there, it's just one or two verses, it'll be on the screen. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, I wanna pause right there before I go any further because I wonder how many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, are carrying around love, but it's grown cold. It was vibrant. Maybe when we started 2019, we were on fire for Christ. We were vibrantly pursuing people nonstop. Every waking moment that we were alive, I'm gonna pursue somebody that is lost and I'm gonna minister to them. I'm gonna tell them about the hope that's inside me. Nothing is going to get in my way. The devil will not be able to stop me, but now... On the back end of 2019, even the traffic at Christmas time, which is pretty bad, even that traffic makes us hateful towards the people we're supposed to be loving. And it's these little things that are distracting us from our purpose, that are distracting us from our calling that Jesus gave us while he's away. A few weeks ago, I went to another church up in the Charlotte area with, with some friends from school. And the, the Saturday night service was the one we went to, and um, the guy speaking, his, his name's Levi Lusco. Some of you guys may know that name. He's a popular um, Christian author and pastor in Montana. And he flew in to speak at this church, and I was overjoyed that he was speaking because I, I've admired him from afar for a while, um, watching him, him, him do ministry in Montana and, and write amazing books and seeing God use him. But the way that I first heard about Levi was three or four years ago, I was riding with my mom in, uh, in, in her car going somewhere in Lexington, and she had K-Love on the radio. And I don't know if K-Love does this anymore, but what they did at the time was they, they used to play these like one-minute sermon clips. And so in between these two songs, 
I was like on my phone scrolling or something, and I put my phone away, and I started listening. And they played a one-minute sermon clip of this guy named Levi Lesko. And I will never forget the question, the rhetorical question that he posed to his congregation that I heard on the radio. He said, what if Jesus came back right in the middle of you saying something hateful to someone? What if Jesus came back right in the middle of, and you can fill in that blank with any sort of sin that you may struggle with? What if Jesus came right, came back right in the middle of you sinning, of you being hateful towards someone? And that changed my perspective, and it has to this day, that I'm looking at this, this life that he's called me to live very differently. Because with, with those glasses on, when I'm looking through that kind of lens, I'm always focused on my purpose. I'm focused on why God put me here and how he intends to use me here to chase after lost souls. And I believe God desires that we use every single moment to do just that because I wanna be able to wake up in the morning, maybe this is just me or maybe there's somebody else in here who can, who can agree with this, but I wanna be able to wake up every single morning that God gives me, able to say, God, thank you for today and because you have seen me as willing to breathe life into today, I wanna to be used as a vessel for you to breathe life into somebody else. Because the truth is, the truth is, God, if you don't breathe out, then I don't breathe in. God, if you do not breathe out, then I don't breathe in. The breath that we all just took just now, if God did not willingly choose to breathe out so that we could breathe in, we wouldn't have. And when you start to think of it that way, when you start to look through that lens, God starts to change some things in your life. And sometimes it's a, it's a little uncomfortable, let me say from experience. But that's the kind of life I wanna be living. Now, I'm 100% sure that I fall short of that every single day, every single day. But nonetheless, if I'm focused on that purpose, if I'm focused on the job that Jesus has called me to do, but not just me, all you guys too, everyone in this room, anyone who said yes to Jesus now has a purpose, now has something to be chasing after and some people to be chasing after. So going back to the passage in Matthew, Jesus says, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So you see, Jesus is telling us when the end is gonna come. And even though he does not give us specifics on timing or the date of when that's gonna happen, we do know that the gospel is gonna be preached to all nations. And then the end will come, Jesus says. You see, Jesus did not just give us an assignment, but he gave us a specific one. He gave us a specific assignment. But here's the truth that I believe God put me here this morning to declare, if you don't hear anything else I say, please, 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 please don't miss this. For the gospel to be preached to everybody, that includes Lexington County, that includes your coworkers, that includes some friends and family members. For the gospel to be preached to everyone, to all nations, it's gonna require two things of us. Boldness and obedience. Boldness and obedience. Now, I wanna explain what these two look like in this context. First, boldness. Boldness is deciding internally, in advance, that the voices around you in the world that will try to hold you back will not affect your decision-making for Christ. And you don't care what those voices have to say after you make a decision because of your security in Christ. I'll give you a, a small example of this of what this looks like practically. I go to a school called CIU, locally about 30 minutes away, it's a Bible college in the area. 
And during my junior year last year, I was on what's called the Residence Life Team, which is some, some campus leaders on, on the halls on campus. And uh, around November or December of 2018, before I took this job at the church, Stal and Trevor came and approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in, in working with middle school, taking this job. And now obviously I was flattered, I was very excited before I even said yes. And I said I'd pray about it, I'd think about it. So I would get back to campus and I start consulting some people that, that, that I trust, that I'm close with on campus, that I felt like were gonna give me really, really, really godly good advice. And what I found was that a lot of voices around me were telling me that if I were to step out of the position I was on on campus and step into this church job, it'd be unbiblical. It wouldn't be right for a number of reasons. And what I realized was there were voices around me that almost, almost held me back, that almost kept me where I was comfortable, where I was secure. Because the truth was, even though it was gonna be in a church setting, I had no clue what I was getting myself into with working with middle schoolers. Any parents in the room that are parents of middle schoolers know what I'm talking about. I had no idea what it was gonna entail, but again, I've loved every minute of it. Obviously, I'm here today. But I would not have been on this stage right now. I wouldn't have if I would have stayed where it was comfortable when I clearly knew God was leading me somewhere else. If I would have listened to the voices that were gonna try to hold me back. So that's what boldness looks like. But then there's obedience. Obedience is deciding that following Jesus is worth it regardless of what it may cost. Following Jesus is worth it regardless of what it may cost. That there is absolutely nothing on this planet that's gonna stand between me and following God's lead. There's nothing that's gonna get between me and following where God wants me to go. Following after Jesus regardless of what it may cost me. And this week, I was thinking about and I was praying, God, what passage of scripture would you have me talk about to not only talk about, but to illustrate, to demonstrate what this looks like very, very practically? And he led me to Matthew 14. You could turn there if you'd like. And Matthew 14 is when Jesus walks on the water. You may have heard this preached about. You may have read this for yourself in the Bible. And I just want to read some of this for us, but I want to approach it from a slightly different angle than most sermons talk about it from. So Jesus, he initially tells his disciples, hey, I need you guys to get in this boat. I need you to go ahead of me on this lake and I'll catch up. So they do just that. And starting in verse 25, here's what the author tells us. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on this water. And then Jesus said, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, most sermons that you've probably heard, I know that I've heard, go on past verse 29 where we just stopped. And usually what will happen is the, the pastor will wrap up their point by saying, okay, okay, so Peter's walking. He slips and falls because he loses focus of Jesus. Jesus pulls him back up out of the water and says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt me? And then they will usually wrap all of that section of their teaching up by saying that we can't lose focus of Jesus and we have to learn to not doubt him, which is all true. But for some reason, when I was thinking and praying about this passage, when I was reading through it this week, I felt like God stopped me right in my tracks in verse 2019. And here's why I think he stopped me. I wonder how many of us are living life stuck in the boat. I wonder how many people, including myself in this room, 
are stuck living life in the boat where it's comfortable. Let me explain what I mean. You see, the disciples thought it was a ghost on the water. But once Jesus started speaking to them, Peter recognized his voice. And I can just picture Peter in my head crawling to the end of the boat, looking at this ghost-like figure that the voices around him are telling him is a ghost. And Peter says, Jesus, he gets bold. Jesus, if that is really you, tell me to do the unthinkable, the unimaginable, what people would call a terrible decision and get out of this boat and start walking on top of the water to you. If that's really you, tell me to do that. Which then he did. And here's what I believe God wants us to see. If we really wanna reach the world, including our community, if we really wanna bring lost people into communion with God where they belong, we have to be willing to get out of the boat and just start walking. We have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone where we are complacent, where we are content, where we are convinced that we have everything we need or could want and take a step of faith that people around us are gonna call it a terrible decision. Take a step of faith regardless of what it may cost. You see, because Peter was looking at the situation differently, the disciples around him in the boat, they were focused on their situation. But Peter, on the other hand, thought that was foolish. Why would I be focused on my situation when ahead of me I can see my Savior? Why would I be focused on my situation when I can see my Savior? When I have the option, the choice to focus on the person who can sustain me, if I start walking, then I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna get out of the boat and start walking. And before we even get to the new year, the new decade, whatever 2020 may have for us, the good, the bad, the ugly, I think some of us need to look backwards on 2019 because maybe this year has been a year of comfort, of contentment, to the point that we've not answered God's call in our lives. We felt the, the tug. We felt God calling us to do certain things, to talk to certain people, but we've just been too comfortable to do it. And we haven't been willing to step out of faith because we've been hanging out in the boat the whole time. I believe that before we even get to 2020, it's time that we step out of the boat so that we can step into God's calling. Step out of the boat, but then step into something, which is God's calling. Now I have the illustration to demonstrate this. Some of you guys may recognize this from children's ministry, but we will not be doing VBS today. No worries. And I believe I have two volunteers as well that are gonna be helping me. One is blindfolded, his name is Garrison Holdman, and he is my brother. And the other is an incredible worship leader named Brett who you heard just earlier. All right, so Garrison, stand right here for me. Brett, you're good. So in this illustration, I, this is the boat. Now this boat can be anything you want it to be. For me, it's been complacency. Maybe for some people it's been contentment. You can, you can fill that, that, that fill in the blank with any word that is synonymous for you. Now this right here is someone who's blind to the things that Jesus wants them to see and needs them to see. And they're being tossed and turned by the waves and the wind on the water. And this over here is my friend Jesus. He just doesn't have the facial hair like the pictures show. So here's what I think this looks like. If we find ourselves in the boat right now, our own boat, we have two options. The first option is for me to stay where I am. I can clearly see that there's someone near me 
that's lost. And in my life, if I'm being honest with you guys, in my life, what this has looked like for me is I'll stay in the boat where it's comfortable. I'll look at this situation and I'll say, God, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I pray you'd say, send somebody. Send somebody else. Because I have everything I need. I'm good. Because what the world tells us is to chase after the things we want and definitely the things we need and then stay. Don't lose it, just stay. So that's option number one. I, God will allow me to stay in the boat. He's not gonna force me to get out. But here's option number two. If I see this situation, I can do like Peter did and take a step of faith. Now there are gonna be a lot of voices that tell you not to do it. There are gonna be a lot of voices that tell you to stay where you are that aren't willing to do it themselves. But I'm, I, I can choose to take a step of faith just like this and start walking on the water. But the only way that's gonna happen is if my focus is locked with my Savior, if I'm focused on Jesus. And if I'm truly focused on Jesus, he will sustain me in any situation that I find myself getting into. And once I get to someone who's lost, who's blind, who can't see the things Jesus wants them to see, I can help this person find the sight that he needs. But then once this person can see, it's not automatically, okay, let's turn to Jesus, everything's great, we're gonna skip to Jesus. No, no, no. Instead, this person starts looking around and saying, I, I don't know who this person is next to me, he's floating on the water, this, this, this is crazy. I don't know where to turn, this is all new to me, I can see a lot of options here. But what he sees with me is where my focus is. And he sees that the whole time, the reason I can be sustained like I'm sustained right now is because my focus is locked with the one who can sustain me. And so then the only logical option, eventually what's gonna happen, is this person's gonna see where my focus is, know that that's where his focus needs to be, and we're gonna walk this road together and finally get to Jesus. Now the truth is, there's two truths here. The first truth is that the devil will try anything and everything he possibly can to try and distract you on this whole entire road from when you get out of the boat and get to someone who's lost, but also walking the road together to Jesus. He will try everything to distract you because he knows what happened to Peter. He knows the moment Peter started sinking was the moment he lost focus of Jesus, the moment that he was losing focus of the one who could sustain him. And Jesus pulled him back up again, like the Bible says. But the other truth is that none of this would have happened if I would not have made the internal, in advance decision that nothing is going to stop me from getting out of the boat and just start walking. Because someone coming to Jesus is worth too much for me to stay here and watch them not do it. And we have to be willing to take a step of faith amidst the voices that tell us not to, amidst whatever the situation may look like and just stay focused on our Savior and just start walking and walking and walking and letting Jesus do his job while we do the one he's called us to do. I believe that's what God desires out of us before we even get to the new, new year, new decade. I think that's what God desires. Thank you, guys. And you know, I, I have a friend who, uh, who, who I go to school with and she, she's been a great friend to my roommate and I the past four or so years that we've been at CIU. And she grew up overseas in the Middle East. And um, a year ago she graduated, but she hung around campus this past year, so we got to hang out with her a little more. But the other day, um, before school ended for the semester, we, my, my roommate and I had to say our goodbyes to her. And this, this, this wasn't like a goodbye, I'll see you next semester. This was a, this, this was a pretty hard one. Because of the, the backstory to where she was gonna go, which basically entails her going to Colorado, where she's from, going to then Africa, 
a part of a missions organization, and then ultimately going back to the Middle East where she grew up. And when she grew up in the Middle East, there was a lot of persecution around her, everywhere she turned. And not really persecution like, like we face here, but actual like bad, bad persecution of Christians. And, um, and so we, we knew that her calling, or she believed her calling by God was to go back there and, and do ministry, tell people about Jesus. They clearly didn't know him. And it is a whole different ball game when you know that kind of stuff and you're saying goodbye to someone that is going to probably go put herself in the midst of persecution and then possibly get herself killed for it. Now what I'm not saying is that any of us in this room need to leave here and go find a way to get ourselves killed. That's not what I'm saying, so please don't hear that. But what I am saying is that the reason she feels called over there, the reason she feels called to go back is because she feels an urgency and a burden when she's in a boat and she sees someone who is completely lost, who is headed down the wrong path every day of their life. And the urgency and the burden she feels gets her to the point to step out in faith and not look to her left and right. Because if she starts looking to her left or right, if we start looking to our left and right, all we're gonna see are distractions. The devil even tried to do that with Jesus in, 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 in Matthew 4. When the devil goes and tries to tempt Jesus, one of the last things he does as a temptation is he shows him all the splendor of the world and says, I can give all this to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. But all the while, Jesus was focused on the one who called him for a purpose. And that's how I believe God wants us to live. Willing to step out in faith. For some of us, that's gonna be a small step first. For some of us, that's gonna be a, a bigger step than, than maybe we wished for. But regardless, it is a willingness. It has to be decided internally and in advance that nothing is gonna stop me from doing what I believe I was made to do, from doing what God has called me to do. And we read about in the Bible, almost all of the original 12 disciples, almost all of them got killed for their faith because they were in an area where Jesus was not this popular guy. And he was not someone that that people heard the name of and then immediately bowed down and worshiped. But they knew, guys, Jesus has, has given us an assignment. Jesus has told us before, hey, I'm going to the Father, but I'm coming back, but in the meantime, I need you guys to be my hands, my feet, my mouth, my eyes. And I need you when, when you're presented with an opportunity to just be willing to step out and trust me. Even though the world's telling you not to trust me, just trust me, because I can sustain you. They knew that their savior was coming back and they wanted as many people as possible to go with them when that happened. And the truth is, you don't have to go overseas to see the mission field. I love in our other building, if you take a right out of the sanctuary, you go out those big doors, right above it is this sign and it says, you are now entering the mission field. And I love that. Because it's signifying that as soon as you leave somewhere like here where it's comfortable, then you're entering the mission field. The truth is for me, it's really easy for me to stand on this stage and not feel threatened that somebody's gonna try to kill me for preaching about Jesus. But as soon as I leave this stage, what I'm entering is the mission field. There are a lot of places in our life where it's comfortable. There are a lot of places in our life where in 2019, if we look back, we've stayed where it's comfortable when all along God has been trying 
to urge us to step out in faith. And before we make any sort of New Year's resolution, we still have time to do two things, reflect, but also refocus. To reflect on what areas in our life God needs us to be more willing to get out of the boat and just start walking, but also to refocus our attention on the one who can sustain us through anything and everything that he would call us to do. You see, the, the good news, the gospel, it's not just that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died and rose again. It's also not just that, like we talked about this morning, Jesus is coming back a second time. But what the gospel, the good news also includes is that God's decided we're worthy enough to be included. He's chosen us for some reason. He sees something in us. I share this all the time with people, but Trevor, Pastor Trevor and Pastor Jeff saw something in me when I didn't have the eyes to see it. As Trevor said, I, I, I grew up in this youth ministry. Now I work with this youth ministry. And there, there were good days, but there were a lot of bad days for me where I was just coming and going like it's no big deal. And I didn't really, I wasn't really solid in my faith. But Trevor poured into me so many times, so many times, because he saw something in me that God had put there that I, didn't, I, I just hadn't discovered yet. I didn't have the eyes to see. I will never forget my freshman year. I was at Newberry College before I went to CIU. And I was walking back from class one day, one random day. Pastor Jeff called me. And he introduced who, who he was. I hadn't really met him many times. And he said that he felt like I may have a calling to ministry and he wanted to give me some opportunities to explore that. And when I think about that, and I see where I am now, and I look back, I'm always gonna be able to look back and see those things. I'm always gonna be able to look back and see God's faithfulness. That there was never a time, even when I was broken and deeper in sin than I ever wanted to be, there was never a time where God gave up on me. And there was also never a time where God pushed me out of a boat that I was in. And there's never been a time that God has screwed something up in my life. And he's been able to use every screwed up thing in my life for his glory. And I believe that's true for everybody in this room. And if all of that is true, then once we begin to refocus on our Savior, on that same God who's personal to us, who's living inside us if we've said yes to him, who's here in this room now, then we will begin to see ourselves do some crazy things with crazy steps of faith for God's crazy purpose for this world. But again, if there's anything I could say to you amidst everything I've said to you, I think what God needs you to hear is he's not gonna force you out of this boat. He's not gonna do it. He's not gonna push you. But he's gonna urge you to take a step of faith when people are telling you not to. And trust that he can sustain you. So before we even get to 2020, I think it's time that we reflect and refocus a little bit on why we've been placed here. Not to automatically go overseas, but to, to do some ministry, to tell people about the good news of Jesus, that our coworkers, that we see every day, that our friends, maybe even our family members, that don't know them. And Jesus has given us some time before he comes back to do those things. And I can tell you right now, if Jesus were to come back on this stage right now, and that would be it, there would be a lot of people 
in my life that I would regret not talking to about him a lot. And some of them I, I probably see every single day in my life in comfortable places. But God is calling me to step out and God is calling you to step out because if we don't step out, if people in a church like this don't step out, who on this planet are going to? God's given us a purpose. God's given us an assignment before his son comes back. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you looked at me in my brokenness and you said that you had a plan for me. Thank you that you looked at every person in this room and their brokenness and you said the same thing, whether they've heard it or not, whether they've seen it or not. And even though you don't give us all the details, I pray that we just step out of the boat and trust you. I pray that you would center our hearts on you before we get to this new year and you would remind us that you have a greater plan than we may think but that you are willing and you've chosen to use us all as a part of that if we're willing to step out. God, we love you. We give you all the honor, the praise, and glory that you're worthy of alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.